0: Have you ever felt like banishing a player to the astral sea for insisting your rule interpretation was bogus?
1: Players, have you ever felt frustrated that a 19 on a perception check only tells you that there may or may not be something there? Tabaxi, tired of scratching posts that just don't hold up? Then this is the podcast
0: for you where we take a hard look at the rules of the game, the reality of the table, and the role of the dice to solve D&D's most heated arguments. This
1: is Raw and Order. Dun-dun! Joey, 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 Joey! Look who's back! I know. (laughs) Thanks for holding down the fort without me.
0: I mean, if there's one thing (laughs) I'm known for, it's holding forts. So what? I don't know. Fort sexual. I didn't. It wasn't intended to be. You just made it. Everything
1: that comes out of your mouth is
0: kind of sexual, a little bit. Everything that goes in (laughs) is a little bit sexual too. There you go. (laughs) And we're back. And we're back. How's life? Um. You know, life, life is fine. You know, things are a little busy right now. We have a lot of Mm -hmm. D&D games. Work is a little busy. Life's a little busy. But you know what? It's August and we're not going to worry about that. Mm Mm-hmm. What about you? A Same. Same. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what? No, because I'm, I'm grumpy, mostly at myself. This is my own fault. <gasps>
0: Why? But
1: because work has been keeping me really, really busy. Mm. And it's like started to affect my health a little bit. And it has prevented me oh, from being able to play as much as I want. And so I know we just yesterday, we had to cancel our game because I was feeling out of the weather. And that's been a huge bummer. So here is just a PSA for everybody listening prioritize yourself and prioritize your mental health because it's really, really important. And if playing so D&D works. gives you joy and pleasure and
0: relief from the real world, for God's sakes, find the time. I just want to say, you heard it here, folks, Anaga Dixit, first of all, Anaga. Anaga. Anaga Dixit has instructed you that you can call off of work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm to play D&D and count it as sick time <laughs> on your work. So you have her permission. My permission. Cite it. My my brown
1: stamp of approval. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is the stamp also brown or are you yes? you just? Oh, okay. It's all, it's all brown. Everything's brown. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, listen, I think that's completely reasonable and that more people should take off of work to play games. So <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I I don't think that's an unreasonable ask.
1: I mean so. I don't know why we don't get like we get sick leave, we get vacation, we get family leave, we should get D&D leave.
0: <laughs> I believe that's lumped in with vacation but
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I agree yeah, that yeah, it yeah, should
0: yeah. it should be Not in my separate. world.
1: <laughs> Not in my world. <laughs> I'm I'm world building right now and everybody's getting D&D leave.
0: <laughs> Speaking of world building, <gasps> Anna. Yeah. You're 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 going to do a little a little one yeah. maybe two shot coming up yeah. soon.
1: Oh, I'm very he... excited about it. It only took Joe two
0: years <laughs> to convince pressure. me. <laughs> no, it wasn't work making you sick. It was, it was mm-hmm. me constantly pressure, pure pressure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> I so, won't reveal too much because I, Joe, yeah. you're going to be a player in the know, game and I, I and know. I want you to be surprised as well, but Joe knows a little bit about the world mm. uh, that I've built and I it's, I'm putting, I'm putting just like my heart and soul into it a little bit. So I'm I,
0: so excited. Can you give, really, a, can you give any hints? Can you give, can you tease the masses? Can how how you... about
1: this? Uh, down with the Brits.
0: Down with the Brits. <laughs> I love it.
1: If you didn't think I'd have a personal connection to this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oof. <laughs>
0: um, I may or may not have spent an, a, a legitimate real world hour thinking of a character name. Um, to tie into this, Which I theme. love. <laughs> um, so I already have a character in mind, and it's gonna be amazing, mm-hmm. but yeah, you're gonna to get to you're finally gonna to get to say that you're a DM, and I'm so I am, excited. yeah.
1: And then all those rulings of DM discretion, you're really gonna regret every single
0: one <laughs> <reference>. of <laughs> I mean, listen, if we all die, we all die, and it was a fun yeah. story at the hey, end. Hey, that's the
1: that's the beauty of like. One shots, non campaigns. Right? Mean, if you die, is, you die. It if is, die, it is die. true.
0: Although <laughs> we were talking, and so as for all the DMs out there, so the plan is we'll do this as like a one shot. And I was talking to him, and I was like, now just remember, like you know, each combat, no matter how small, it's probably going to take like <laughs> about an hour. And you were like, oh my god, I have like six combats. For I know. <laughs> I was like, but the like. All right. This might be a two or the, three shot dungeon, or it's not a dungeon, but like the, you know, the dungeon girl,
1: quote, quote, whatever has like a lot of rooms. So
0: <laughs> I'm thrilled. And I want, yeah. I'm so excited to explore it. I just, it's, I'm, I hope for, for the sake of me yeah, playing as a player in your game, I hope it lasts 20, 20 sessions. I'm, I will I'm do just... everything I can to pull the group out of where whatever, wherever we are to go investigate other going. things and force you to create ways. There's, I may have gone world. like
1: just like a little bit overboard though, because like I have so many freaking Easter eggs everywhere. Every room, I love it. there's like a corner where I'm like, what if I just put a trunk here and then see if anybody <laughs> goes up to the trunk and then what's inside the trunk? Like, what should I hide it here? And then I have ways of like, giving you artificial long rests and stuff planned Ooh. so that nobody has to sleep. And it's just, it's, it's just, I'm, I'm insane. And this is going to be great.
0: I'm, so, <laughs> I'm excited. so excited. Okay. Well, we will mass <laughs> the match of the masses. We will keep you informed. Mm-hmm. We will let you know when this happens and uh, we will report back and I will criticize every little thing you All do and love I will it. write it down in, in a Word document and send it to you in, in, in With like red letters cards, called, Comments. Yes. Yes, I will grade each. I will grade all of the... I love the, it. <laughs> oh, God, that was meant to... I live for that. I, I know you do. Teacher You're approval. a sadist.
1: No, but you know what's cool is hmm. that after this, I think we should do a few more Raw School episodes where we oh. talk about learning to DM instead of just learning to play I feel like we can do a whole other course I would love of, that yeah
0: and uh, you could be sort of our fresh yes pupil. yeah
1: I can be the pupil and you can teach me the ways and I think that would be wonderful
0: all right we're doing it you heard it okay. here folks yeah Anna's committing to doing multiple episodes <laughs> of Ross School in between normal episodes. <laughs> um, okay, keeping on theme, so we don't mm-hmm. we don't get too far away from our normal interests. I went on a walk today, Ooh, and I always like nice. to report on strange things I seen. see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. first, let me just tell you: if you walk around a cemetery, some people's last names are problematic and fa- <laughs> fascinating. And you're when you say them out loud, they sound like other words that you shouldn't say and everything's dirty everything it's it's really bad um how many johnsons can you walk past oh it's worse it's way worse than that (laughs) um yeah but uh so i was walking and as per usual especially in the cemetery i don't know what it is i always find the most bizarre things i've i've caught there was a man exercise fully exercising with a dumbbell one or like a was it you that caught people like having sex just like fucking fully bare assed having sex on two different occasions yeah um i i find a lot of weird things in the cemetery so i was walking today and i was walking clyde and and we sat down by like a little tree for a little while in the shade um and i just hear this like like clapping and i'm like what the fuck and there's this old guy walking just just uh, just walking like past us and every once in a while he claps and then there was a bird flying around like but just like flying in circles it wasn't doing normal bird things wait he was controlling the bird? i don't know what kind of it was like a normal bird i don't know what, what kind of bird was it, it was like I'm a not parrot like, like was it a colorful bird i it, what are wait what are bird people are they called ornithology is that a? yes is that is that it I think it is. Are you Googling it? Yes. Okay.
1: Ornithology. Wait. Yes. You know how I know that. The scientific study of birds. Schitt's Creek. When when Moira is an ornithologist (laughs) and the crows have eyes
0: too. (laughs) I... I'm more of a rose. Um, I don't know what kind of bird it was. It was circling. It just was like circling. And this guy was looking at it and like every once in a while would just clap. And and I sat there for a good five minutes watching. And I'm like, is that bird going to go to him? Is this his bird? And it, it never did. But I was very confused. I'm like, why are you clapping at the bird? Was he like shooing it away with his claps? The bird was getting further away from him. So why would he sh- need to shoo it if the bird went? Farther away. He was walking away from the bird and the bird was flying away from him. And this the is bird gonna was going to be like
1: part one of seven.
0: Part what I'm going to go back and see Joe this.
1: following yeah. man with bird.
0: This just leads into the theory that birds aren't real. You've heard this, right? Birds yes. Aren't yeah. Real, mm-hmm, that they're, they're all drones.
1: Conspiracy. And yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. The, go- the U.S. government spied on me today. So through
1: bird. Well, or it was really intently spying on that one guy.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. Wait, dude. Do- <laughs> Oh my god, maybe he thought that the bird was Oh him. no. She
1: <laughs> should have been like, sir, can I help you?
0: Um cough.
1: <laughs> I mean cough, cough.
0: is <laughs> his reaction. And then just started like like I just like fully 90 degree bend over and start like pecking at the yeah, ground. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that that happened. <laughs> So, um, you know, I always a ne- never a dull moment. Mm-hmm. And I've and I, I truly live live in that moment. I
1: love your neighborhood. It's just
0: it's quite it's a really
1: exciting place to live.
0: <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. How are you otherwise? Are You good? Things are good. We're ready. Things are.
1: Yeah, I'm ready. I You're have ready? missed you all listeners. I think we're re- I think we're ready to go.
0: OK, all right. We have Let's Louis. Joining us. Louis. So. Alue,
1: alue. Oh, alue, alue. I can't not think of him and then like not think of that song, so I have to cut that
0: because copyrights but, just kidding. <laughs> I feel I'm like we
1: violated that quite a bit,
0: <laughs> yeah. And also, now there's a thing where like any song on Spotify is fair game, apparently. According to whom, I, I you know what? I heard that once and I'm just gonna go with it. <laughs> You're a lawyer. Yep, (laughs) and now I will sing Beyonce. Mm -hmm. We all want it. Uh, Sorry, that was me. I was singing. Can you hear me? I just heard a long beep. Mm, New album, Renaissance. Mm. (laughs) Okay, all All right. right, Let's get Louie in here. Let's bring him in.
1: Yay, oh, yay. Oh, yeah, The Honorable Chief Justices Joe and Anna and Associate Justice Louis of the Supreme Court of d d All persons having business before this court are admonished to draw near, give their attention and stop flushing sensitive documents down the toilet for the court is now sitting.
0: <laughs> it's really important. It's really important not to flush documents down your toilet for a my- myriad reasons. But Namely,
1: sensitive, important confidential documents.
0: But also, it's like that's where you poop. Like, you have poop needs to get through. So, if paper is clogging it,
1: it's not biodegradable, I feel like, for a septic tank.
2: I think that (laughs) was the missing piece. That was the missing piece as to why he was always talking about. low water pressure and low flush toilets (laughs) being a problem? (laughs) That he was like, we need stronger toilets. We need stronger toilets.
0: Let me put this binder in the toilet. (laughs) Right, It's not flushing well. What's happening? (laughs) Why aren't Mitt Rodney's binders full of women going down the toilet? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Louis, Justice Louis, it's a pleasure i was gonna say you're a justice in this venue which is nice because you don't get to be a justice in your everyday life but here you are so you get to make the rules here mm-hmm. and everyone else can suck it because 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 we get to make the rules <laughs>
2: right I, yeah the only people i just have to make sure i am with the majority and then i can say whatever i want separately
0: yeah. There, there you go.
2: There you <laughs> go. People will be like, does this have binding force? I don't know.
0: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, we each have to come to three different conclusions. And then that plurality, well, then that will just really fucking confuse everyone. Oh, dear. But we've asked you here for some some important cases that, that mm-hmm. need answering. Are you ready? Are we all ready, justices? I'm ready. Yeah. I see everyone absolutely. has their robes on and wigs on and mm-hmm. everyone's powdered. Um, so let's begin. The court will hear two cases today. The first case, In-Ray spiritual weapon. This one is short and sweet, my friends. Can a spiritual weapon fly?
2: You mean to tell me that you guys haven't been summoning swords with legs?
0: (laughs) I mean, it should be fair. You don't need legs to fly. I mean, or
2: no, but that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, yeah. They've always
0: flown.
1: Oh, yeah. My I was so confused. I was like, you need wings to fly.
0: Louis. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's magical. You don't need anything to You don't need anything. You don't need anything. Okay. Where did this question come but, from? But I I could see so I think the
2: intent of the question is to ask like can it be more than a person's height off the ground? Like can you send it up into the air? Right. Right, like if Beyond you if you five, are fighting near a cliff, can it Go off the cliff, or does it wily coyote style, like get a certain distance and then and then drop?
0: So here's the operative language, right? You create this is the language from spiritual weapon spell. Second level clerics get it and some some paladins. You create a floating spectral weapon within range that lasts for the duration, the range being 60. Feet. As a bonus action on your turn, you can move the weapon up to 20 feet and repeat the attack. I skipped some language there, but that is our that is our operative language here. Now, this question has plagued the internets, um, and I think that this court needs to needs to resolve Just once it. and for all once resolve. and for so, all.
2: So part of the problem is that if it had given a stat block for the, the weapon, this would be easy because it would say if it has a move speed or if exactly. it has a fly speed. Uh, but it doesn't do that. Um, and typically when, it, when uh, we talk about a move speed, that means land bound. Uh, but I don't know that that's the intent here. Um, also, side note, 20 feet movement per round is awfully slow mm-hmm. for the spiritual weapon. That has been a real thorn in my side <laughs> uh, playing. Uh, I, I need to shout out uh, Chris Jessen, who has been DMing a campaign uh, for... A bunch of people who went to Drake, uh, plus a friend. This campaign has been going since 2015. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, we're level 19, and so I've cast oh. spiritual weapon. I've cast spiritual weapon as this cleric many, 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 many times. Um, Twenty feet is not a lot. And uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes you forget in the heat of the moment, and you're, uh, you know, and then you look back and you're like, wait a minute, uh, spiritual yeah. weapon just went from one enemy I wanted to attack to another. And you know, I mean, rule of cool will let a lot of things happen, but we're not concerned with rule of cool here, right? We're concerned Mm -hmm. with rules as written. Absolutely.
0: And what is the rule of cool?
2: (laughs) Exactly, and and the value of the rule of cool is that it sometimes lets you depart from rules as written. Uh, But if you just let players do whatever they want, then uh, the rule of cool doesn't feel special.
0: There, exactly. There you go. It Mm. has to be special. So, and Louis, you really sort of bring up. One of the factors that I consider so I, I've always held that in my games for the longest time that spiritual weapon w- didn't have a fly speed, so it couldn't fly, it, it just hovered on the ground next to you, and you could move it or you know, uh, th- along the ground, uh, 20 feet per round. However, in more recently, I've been more flexible and I have allowed spiritual weapon to fly for namely the reason that you just gave it's not overpowered to let it fly 20 feet of movement really isn't that much and i've had numerous clerics in ga- in my games hello heather who have cast spiritual weapon and have always been like well fuck, my spiritual weapon can't get to the enemy because it just moved um so given that like all of my enemies are always so mobile and constantly doing things and the battle map is constantly changing Giving giving it a fly speed really doesn't make it overpowered, and the law and the rule doesn't specific or the, or the spell doesn't specifically say that it can't fly. But mm-hmm. this, well, sorry. So Anna, what what were your thoughts on on this?
1: Uh, I was like, why are, why are we why do we have this question? Of course, I can fly. <laughs> uh, <you> I <laughs> mean, it says you create a floating spectral weapon, and in my mind, it was twenty feet left, right, up, down wherever it needed to go. It's just, it's floating, right? It's magical, it's floating.
2: It goes where you need it to go. It's so troublesome because they use the word floating and not flying. Or hovering, right. Or hovering, floating. I picture like Tensor's floating disc. That's the name of the spell, right? Yep, absolutely. Yes,
1: but doesn't that spell specify how far off the ground it floats?
2: It sure does. It does. Uh, And this one doesn't. The other thing is that this doesn't say you need to conjure the spiritual weapon into a space. Right. It's you just could a, just create it within range. And yeah. I, I don't know why you couldn't pick a point 60 feet straight up,
0: straight up, but even, uh, I mean, even 60 feet straight up is a, is still a space. Cause this brings up other spells. So I started looking, you know, I was looking online at like some of the arguments to and for and against this. And someone like, well, if you look at spells like flaming sphere, that has more stringent like requirements on it. But then I started reading flaming sphere. So sphere, so flaming sphere says the last paragraph of it says, when you move the sphere, you can direct it over barriers up to five feet tall and jump it across pits up to 10 feet wide, but nothing about it says that the space that you have to conjure it in has to be five within five feet of the ground. It just says a five-foot diameter sphere of fire appears in an unoccupied space of your choice within range. Well, that yeah, includes... Upward. I, never,
2: I never thought about it that uh, when I picture combat as happening on a, a two-dimensional grid, it's really happening within a three-dimensional cube
1: grid. Mm.
2: And uh, I guess your your normal height character occupies one cube of like a five-ish feet
0: right and nothing about that spell says that it has to be five within five feet of the ground but that third paragraph clearly like
1: implies that
0: right implies yeah, that because it does, why
1: would it need the direction of being able to like jump over things if right if it weren't meant to be created five feet above the
0: ground, and it sort of leads Creda to the argument that spiritual weapon can fly because spiritual weapon similarly doesn't have those mm-hmm. constraints on it, but right. then it's
2: completely unconcerned by
0: barriers or pits, right? And but then I I started looking at moonbeam, and I was like, well, does that mean you could cast moonbeam, and have the point at which the beam stops shining down? be actually up in the air somewhere so could i cast because moonbeam is a 40-foot high cylinder well could that 40-foot high cylinder just be suspended in the air does it need to be centered on the ground well nothing about moonbeam it says a silvery beam of pale light shines down in a five-foot radius 40-foot high cylinder centered on a point within range until the spell ends uh dim light fills the cylinder
2: Right, so if you're if you're fighting a really tall enemy in an enclosed space, you just do it, you, you know, you have it shine down and stop a foot above the party's heads. Exactly. I mean, so that, that your
1: allies never get into the moonbeam. I mean, and it, doesn't sense, <laughs> it doesn't make physical
2: sense, but it's magic. It doesn't make physical sense where it starts from either.
0: And if you look at the movement restriction on Moonbeam, on each of your turns, you can use an action to move this beam up to sixty feet in any direction. Yeah. So why couldn't you move it upwards? Uh? I mean, mm-hmm. it makes sense to me. So I'm I'm completely fucking myself over for all my players <laughs> who are going to abuse this. But part of me thinks like, yeah, like. Why wouldn't you be able to cast? I mean, the range on casting is 120 feet. Why right. wouldn't you be able to cast it 100 feet above you if there was like a bird in the sky that you were trying to kill?
2: Or a dragon.
0: Or a dragon, right. I don't <laughs> know why I went with bird. We were talking about birds earlier. I've got birds on the brain. <laughs> got birds on the mind. Oh, ornithology. Anyway, the, <laughs> like, yeah, like why couldn't you just cast it? So anyway, I was just looking at that and I was like, so then does it, fit that with spiritual weapon there's really no restrictions on the movement
2: i mean i i tend to agree with that i and i also think that they could have easily made this uh less ambiguous Mm -hmm. and put the answer to this question in the spell description
1: Mm
0: -hmm. but they (laughs) didn't
1: i would i would almost be more convinced that i couldn't fly if it had used the word hovering because that Mm -hmm. in my mind seems more like you have to hover hover above some Something or like hover just like a distance above the ground yeah. or something, but the the fact that they use floating didn't specify how high it's floating when they have done so in other spells, mm-hmm. and I'm imagining like a ghost that can go up and down and sideways. <laughs> it's spectral.
2: I'm, I'm gonna look I'm, up. Flo- I'm like yeah. I'm gonna look up tensors floating disc right now because I'm wondering what the fall speed it, even in theory would be for a floating spectral object like it doesn't have weight, and so how i yeah, why wouldn't it be able to fly if it doesn't have weight i guess is is
0: the there you go it's and it's it's a mm-hmm. fucking it's a spirit, it's a ghost, mm-hmm. um so tensor's floating disc
2: it specifies it floats three feet above the ground, mm-hmm. and a spiritual weapon does no such thing
0: correct, I mean, I think that right there gives you gives you the the operative language it floats at a certain distance if if it if this spell just said that floats above the ground in an occupied space we would have no question that well it could float at any height but it specifies i mean obviously it's it it limits it as you go longer i think it can't move across 10 foot a 10 foot deep pit so it it has the same sort of limits that like flaming sphere does but again if it also has that three foot above the ground restriction on it Mm -hmm. but I had spiritual weapon doesn't really have any of that. Wow.
2: You know, what's really funny. I'm just, I'm just now putting together in my head that floating dit when it says it can't cross an elevation change of 10 feet or more in my head. I'm like, wow, that's weird. Why would, you know, that only means that it can't go off a cliff. You can't send it off a cliff. It It's not that it would fall. It would just be like, nope, error. Can't do it. Right. I it wore just,
0: like a pit or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, yeah, it they're, they're not fall, even
2: addressing would. the question of how fast it would fall. They're just being like, nope, it it, it can't. Just it'll stop. just stop. Yep. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's <a> Very <laughs> weird spell. Um, I just just to bring it back to spiritual weapon for a second. I think one of the funnier things about it is that there is no distance limitation on how far you can be from your spiritual weapon for it to exist, mm-hmm. as long as you created it within range. So, um, at Floating Disc says it has one, but Spiritual Weapon doesn't. Amazing. Um, yeah, the, and, and you don't even necessarily need to be able to see the creature who it's attacking. I don't right. think it doesn't say that. No, nope. just like when, a
1: weapon has to see it or like be within five feet of it, but you don't. So, right. although yeah. the spell
2: doesn't say that you get the sensory perception of your weapon in any way, mm-hmm. right. so I I think you would have to. I mean, I I could see as a DM that you would say. Um, you are directing your spectral weapon, so it, your spiritual weapon, so you can't make attacks with it against creatures that you can't see. So if you, if you like somehow keep concentration, uh, anyway, like it's, if not, you're,
0: it's not even a concentration spell. That's the beauty of it.
2: Oh, yeah, that's right. It's not. That's right. I, I have dropped it as though it was concentration and then later gone back and been like, Oh, why did I do that?
0: Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) And it only lasts a minute. So like, I guess that's another like restriction on it is that it, you know, it's not this like super overpowered thing, but
2: you can only be as far away as you can get in 10 rounds.
0: Right. But even if like, but even if like you cast it and we're blinded, I don't know. Part of me thinks you would still be able to make like the spiritual weapon wouldn't be blinded. And, and it doesn't say that you, that you need to see it. Uh, it just right. says a creature within five. Well, it says you can make a melee yeah, it's, spell you attack. can
2: make a melee spell attack against. So I, I think that if you were blinded, you would probably roll that with disadvantage.
0: Sure. Yeah, I would the see spiritual that. weapon. Yeah. I,
2: I think so because it's your attack. You're you're directing it. Although that's so weird that, that is not concentration, but you're still yeah. using it's- a
0: Hmm. Yeah, it says, cause it says when you cast a spell, you can make a melee, a melee spell attack. So you're making the spe- spell attack, not the weapon. And
2: it's um, the same verbiage on subsequent turns too.
0: Right. So, okay. Well, okay. Where do we fall? Uh, justices. I'm pretty, I, I think I'm in the camp of this can fly. Yeah. I,
2: yeah, really? I, I agree with that. I think that we've only scratched the surface of the questions that are raised by this spell. <laughs> um, but the, the thing is that those questions keep coming up because the spell is so gosh darn good.
0: It is very good, especially at lower levels. Oh, beautiful. All right. Well, you we only we, answer the questions presented, okay?
2: That's true. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm writing a separate opinion
0: with Dick. There, <laughs> right, there you go. All right. Um, so in the case of Inray Spiritual Weapon. It can fly. It can fly. There you go. Order of the court. Okay, moving on. We have business to do, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we are now on to case number two the case of prestidigitation versus magical substances. Can prestidigitation clean a magic substance created by a spell, such as acid damage from a spell? Now, this question comes to us courtesy of Critical Role. Last week on Critical Role, um, uh, a creature that Matt Mercer was controlling cast vitriolic sphere, and acid got all over some of the characters. And I believe it was Marisha, um, asked, well, could I just cast digitation to clean one of my allies or clean myself and get rid of the acid? And Matt sort of um, uh, like initially was like, well, yeah. I was like, wait, no, it's probably a magic, it's a magical substance. I don't think a cantrip can clean a, a, a you know a magical substance cast at what is a fourth or fifth level. Um,
2: you know, sometimes you see the rule of cool applied in the DM's favor to effects that that the DM thinks are cool, and I, I think that right. this was an example of that. I think that prestidigitation can clean the object, and if there's something goopy on the object, even whether if it's, it's magical or not, by, yeah, especially if especially if it's just acid created by magic. Right. I think that that's fine for prestidigitation.
0: Anna, what say you? So.
1: Initially I was, I agreed. Initially I was like, yes, you know, it doesn't specify that you can only clean non-magical substances off of an item. It says you can, you instantaneously clean an object no larger than one cubic foot. Right. But then I was like, so does that mean I could use it to clear acid off like the tips of arrows, thereby decreasing the extra damage that, like, an acid arrow could do. Mm, you willing
2: like to spend an action on that? I mean, maybe.
1: I mean, kinda. Like, what if you get it beforehand? Like, you get access to their camp or something, and you have you have these arrows that are covered in poison or acid. Is this saying I can just clean it off?
0: I uh, I mean, I I, I don't know. Yeah. This
1: is, and then you is... lose your like one d four roll when you're rolling that. I mean, so, so you're talking
2: about it. I, you're talking about being within 10 feet of the object. Right. Yeah. And it's an object no yeah. larger than one cubic foot. Also, by yep. the way, the acids on your skin. I don't think you can do that. Oh. Because- there, I mean,
1: there was so much debate online when I was looking up this question about whether it could like clean it off the skin or like clean a body or clean an animal of this thing, because it says object, not yeah, person,
0: not person. But your clothes are objects but they're being worn or carried, but that does, does that matter? I don't know. I mean,
2: I think, I think that you're getting to the idea of the spell, which is that it is like a lower level manipulation, like parlor tricks and like stuff that's living is harder to manipulate. Locate object is a second level spell, right? Locate creature
0: is a fourth level spell. If I'm not mistaken, I don't remember specifically, but yeah, I I mean,
2: I feel like they're different spells, right? Um, and I, I think that that is, you know, kind of kind of saying that to manipulate the person or form of a living thing requires more than, uh, you know, a, a
0: what a cantrip can provide. A child's yeah. birthday
2: party magician level of magic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, hey, are you saying snuffing out a small candle or campfire is magician level magic? I mean, um, yeah. side note,
2: in one of the earlier acquisitions, incorporated adventures, when they fight. Ah, uh, the flaming fist in Baldur's Gate. Mm. Uh, the flaming fist brings some flame elementals. I think is what they are, or magma spirit, whatever. But they've got a fire burning in their chest cavity, and Jim Dark Magic uses prestidigitation to snuff it. Oh my! Uh, and and on one of them, it actually works, and he just uses a cantrip as his action to straight up kill a fire elemental.
0: That's insane uh, because, I love that. <laughs> especially since Control Flames, which is arguably a way more powerful cantrip that that specifically deals with fire, says that it has to be non-magical fire. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so like that seems like a way too much of an overpowered use.
2: So here's I mean, this. This seems like it means to say that because it specifies candle, torch, or small campfire. But yeah. uh, I think the DM at that point was still Chris Perkins, and he was fine with it.
0: I mean, so. rule of cool, right? So here's yeah. here's what here's my. I hang up if you read the, the verbiage so vitriolic sphere it's a fourth level spell if you read the language that when it comes to the damage it says on a failed save a creature takes 10d4 acid damage and another 5d4 acid damage at the end of its next turn on a successful save a creature takes half the initial damage and no damage at the end of its next turn it says nothing in the spell about actually being covered in acid now obviously the reason you take damage is because you're covered in you're acid. Covered in acid. The, the first sentence says, you point at a location within range, a one-foot diameter ball of emerald acid streaks there and explodes in a 20-foot radius sphere. Each creature in the area must make a deck save. It does not say that the reason you take that extra damage is because you're then covered in acid.
1: If it what did... What else could it mean? I don't though? know, like but, but i just What are you saying, dexterously trying to avoid if I, not for... I, listen.
0: I mean, I think that the you can have the magical
2: acid. kinds <laughs> of acid that contaminate your, yeah. like, you know, contaminate you in magical ways, right? And, and mm-hmm. this spell doesn't say that there's a way to clean it off. And I know that I've seen a spell that does require you to take a turn to clean it off if you want to do that. Let me,
0: yeah, you know what? Well, there's I
2: know which character had that spell, so I'm going to go look at that character.
0: Well, shape. I think it's actually... Um uh so in general well like so so this actually brings up another point so alchemist fire right if you if you get if you fail the save on alchemist fire i believe you stay on fire until you spend an action to puff out the flames Mm -hmm. now in that situation i could understand like a a presentation or control flames being much more effective because all a creature has to do is pat you down so this just replaces the action of patting you down but with this spell there's nothing about it, this the text of the spell itself doesn't really say anything about about acid like getting on you and being unstickable.
2: I got it. But first I want to tell you about the character who has the spell. <laughs> his name is Yuri Collender. He was the chef at a wizard school. Uh <laughs> but he wanted to be a wizard. And so he like tried to like, you know, uh nab a couple books here and there and like eavesdrop on the students. Uh and then his best friend decided to leave and go adventuring. And Yuri said, I'll come with you on one condition. We got to pretend that I graduated from the wizard school.
0: Um, <laughs> I love his, this. So did he's you, trying did to just...
2: pick it up as he goes. And, uh, when he figures out spells, you know, he's he's doing trial and error, so he'll like have the correct spell components, but he'll also think it requires a blueberry.
0: Um, or, <laughs> is this so one like, of your cr- characters? I love this. Oh, yeah. The campaign's oh over. God.
2: He he was uh he, he was a blast to play. That's um, amazing. So the spell I'm thinking of is Tasha's Caustic Brew, mm, which mm, is a mm. perfect flavor fit for him. Uh, <laughs> a stream of acid emanates from you in a line. Etc. Creatures got to succeed on dexterity saving throws or be covered in acid for the spell's duration until a creature uses its action to scrape or wash the acid off itself or another creature. Uh, A creature covered in the acid takes 2d4 acid damage at the start of each of its turns. So there are spells that cover you in a substance that you can remove. Now, I think that one's easier to say digitation can help Yeah. although... It's a, Although,
1: again, its is it an object or is it a person
0: right. that you're cleaning it it's off of? Yeah,
2: that's true. If it's a creature, then I, I, maybe it wouldn't.
0: Right. But but the language of the spell specifically says that any creature could use its action to scrape it off. So as a DM, I would say you using press digitation is just the wizard going, oh, bye, and not wanting to, like, touch it. Yeah. And at, but, like, in effect, using their action to help remove. So you'd allow that? I would in that situation because all the wizard would have to do is actually go up to them and remove it. Now, if they were, let's say they ran up to the creature and only made it within 10 feet of them and not five feet, I think I would rule rule of cool. We'll say for purposes of this, your prestidigitation gives you that extra, you know, boost that you need and, you know, you can, you can wipe it off from 10 feet away. Um, But that's That's kind of you. I'm not sure I would allow that. (laughs) Oh, I mean, this is fair. This is
2: kind of like, you know, we're, we're kind of far up. We're kind of on the extreme wing of like, uh, I, you know, we're getting real SCOTUS vibes here because we're like (laughs) out of step with the general (laughs) populace, um, because Everyone know like you know when they have prestidigitation, they use it to just clean themselves off right. when they're about yeah. to have an encounter mm-hmm. with a noble or something. Um, and I I think rules as written, it doesn't seem to. It permit does that. not
1: allow that, right? And I mean, I'm sure they make the argument that if they're cleaning it off of their cape or their shirt or their pants or their shield or their armor or their weapons or whatever, then those can all be considered objects. But if you're gonna if if the acid is hitting you. And causing damage, it probably means it's not just hitting your armor, it's hitting your skin. Right. And I wouldn't allow this cantrip Ooh. from ten feet away to help you clean that off. I would Serve it flavor justice if they were right next to them. Cause for flavor, sure, whatever. Mm, but from okay. ten feet away, I wouldn't allow it.
2: I flavor mean flavor is just another way of saying rule of cool.
1: I mean, Well, no, but well, I'm saying if they were right next to them, if they want to call it that, sure. But in my mind, I'd be like, you're just scraping it off with like a cloth right. or something. Yeah,
0: so like you flavor but, it as casting yeah. precipitation, but you're right. actually just scraping it off, right, right, right. I mean,
2: I mean, there has to be a magical explanation for why this spell, why you can't clean a person, even if you say, hold still. Like there has to be something about the spell that <laughs> yeah, doesn't, that doesn't, doesn't work that way. Um, And yeah. I don't know, I mean, you could look for a reason forever, but it could just be that it's magic. Um, mm-hmm. But speaking of flavor, the reason why Yuri had this spell in his spell list is because it lets you chill warmer flavor, uh, non-living material. So it's super useful for him. Um, is acid a flavor? I mean.
1: Yes, because in my cookbooks, they're always like a little acidic, a little acidic flavor here by adding lemon or lime. So, yes. Yeah, okay, but a it's flavor. a lemon
0: and lime flavor. They don't taste the same. I uh, mean.
1: Acid- is THC- Acidity is a whole... <laughs> Taste bud.
0: Is THC a flavor? Well, (laughs) I mean, it's for some people. (laughs) Oh, yeah. What kind of acid were we talking about here? You mean, wait, it's not THC. It's it's LSD. Is that? I know I
2: I, I was I was making a joke. I'm not. I don't think I don't think. I mean, you could probably flavor (laughs) it to taste like to taste like marijuana, but it wouldn't be psychoactive.
0: Okay. So I think we need to, we need to, was Matt Mercer right or was he wrong? Should he have allowed Marisha or whoever to cast precedent to clean off this acid? Louis, what do you, what say you?
2: I think he got to the right result, but for the wrong reason. Okay. All right. So I, I concur with Matt Mercer, but I read separately.
0: Anna, how do you feel? I, I agree with him. I agree as well. Um, also f- for potentially different reasons. So we mm-hmm. all agree. Or the order of the court is that you cannot use press digitation to clean off a magical substance from a creature, such mm-hmm. as the acid from vitriolic sphere. Case closed. Okay, ladies okay. and gentlemen. Okay. Woo. This this of I gotta air air out the old uh
1: the old robes. Huh? The
0: old the old uh bits and when, pieces. when's the last
1: time you got those things directly?
0: You don't want to know never <laughs> is the answer talk about acid <laughs> oh something something's eating through this rope okay yeah you could use
2: some press digitation on that yeah
0: well we're in chamber chat now obviously we're in, back in chambers we're now making fun of all the attorneys mm-hmm. and um you know we have some topics now Louis, you brought one to us that i think you brought them both you did you brought yeah. both well we'll see we'll see if, we if get we'll see all. if we get the other one okay This topic is very interesting and one that has plagued me for some time. How should (laughs) DMs deal with PCV, PC insight and deception roles? What are the results of a bad insight role? Do you get no knowledge? Do you believe something else? What are the implications of this? Louis, how did this come up? What's 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 chapter?
2: This didn't come up for me, uh, in a way that mattered, but. I first thought about this while I was watching EXU, mm. um, which I haven't finished by the way I meant to, but then I did a dropout free trial and that got oh. me watching all of Dimension 20's back catalog. Oh my God. Um,
0: I've been trying to get Anna to watch Dimension 20 forever.
2: I would start with the crown of candy. Cause it's I, so I that's the one that pulled me in. The stakes are really high. He is not shy about killing uh, any, oh. anything. Oh, no. <laughs> it's great. It's it, Honestly, it does Game of Thrones better than Game of Thrones.
0: <laughs> yeah, and everything is made of food, so you. Can't everything really is made long. of
2: food. It's amazing. <laughs> um, I thought about you know I checked out the auction for those minis, and then like every single one of them rocketed up to two thousand dollars plus in the first <laughs> hour. Inside.
0: Um,
2: yeah, I don't I don't have that kind of cash. I play Magic. Uh, <laughs> so, but the reason I thought of it is because uh, whenever they any of those players hear something that they don't believe they go insight check Mm -hmm. and they roll. And I'm like, well, when Matt tells the other player, what kind of check to make, Mm -hmm. if he says persuasion or, or deception um, that tells the, Gives the player the gives meta information. Exactly.
0: Well, well, but he doesn't do that. That's the interesting thing. If you if you watch him, when people make insight checks against other PCs, he says, now you make either a deception or persuasion role. Don't tell anyone which one you're doing. Just tell us the result. Of oh, the I
2: didn't know. Because yeah. I, I saw there was one time. Because it was Sam Regal who made a deception check and told everyone he was making a deception check, but that might have been just because the meta knowledge was already known to the whole table.
0: Right, and I think if the player announces it, then then obviously like then you it, know the cat's out of the bag. Right, right. right. But um, but no, he he does it really interestingly, and I started doing that. Yeah. And then I, but then it's like, okay, so here's, here's my whole gripe with this issue. And maybe this is where you're going, Louis. If you do poorly on an insight role, does that mean you believe them or you're not sure if you believe them?
2: Yeah. Right? Or you believe something wrong. Well, see here. And that's the or, other thing about right. perception versus deception or persuasion versus deception. Because if you roll high on a persuasion check that if you're rolling a persuasion check and the person against you lo- rolls a low insight check, mm-hmm. they don't believe you unless your persuasion role is high enough to convince somebody very dim.
0: see if that's somebody that's the thing that's the weird part, right so so yeah, if you tell them and is it just like it's like you don't believe them or they're not sure Well, if you go by the the meat of of like what the rule is really of what insight is supposed to do, you're right. it's supposed to be that you don't believe them but then that's not as narratively like, Satisfying is yeah yeah because because especially when a PC is like I'm not lying like why would I lie wow, to my party member? I didn't member? even think
1: about that. Yeah, like if you roll low on your insight, it means you're not insightful enough to realize they're telling the truth.
2: Yeah, but then if, but but if you roll exactly. low on your
1: insight, if you roll low
2: on your insight against the deception, you believe them.
1: Yes, and yes, so, so you're not means, insightful enough to know that they're lying. Oh, and so the the uniting thread here,
2: the uniting thread here is that. If your insight roll is low, you get it wrong. If your insight roll is high, you get it right. But that gives, that means the other player's role is, yeah, is
1: it, it's pointless.
2: Almost. I mean, the, the deception roll sets a DC for the insight check. There right. like persuasion is one. Role, it should be somehow, somehow cooperative.
0: There is one way to resolve this, which is you give the same response on a fail regardless of of deception or persuasion, which is you have no reason to doubt the person, right? Because that works in both scenarios on a, because, and then if you're doing persuasion and the person rolls higher, you say you're confident they're telling the truth versus you have no reason to doubt them. That's how I handle it. Because on like, so let's say, Anna, you're the one deceiving and Louis, you're rolling insight. If you meet or beat Anna's deception role uh, with your insight, then, then you're confident that she's lying. But if you're, if, if you fail, then it's not that it's not that you necessarily believe her without a doubt. It's that you have no reason to doubt what she's saying. So like, it's just, yeah. I mean, like you, you don't have a yeah, reason you, to doubt her. She's being truthful. You don't see through it. Right. But yeah, but importantly, that could be just as narratively compelling if it were an in, if it were a persuasion, persuasion. check, because because then it's yeah it's it's relying on your insight whether or not you're insightful enough to really trust this person versus you just don't have a reason to tell whether or not they're lying. So so
1: so if they roll low on insight and I roll high on persuasion, you say the same thing. You have no reason to doubt this person, right? But
0: it it, it is weird because there's no like, reason
2: to believe them, you know, or or nothing out of the
0: ordinary here, right? But it's just weird because you're not you're you're like you almost want the other player to roll low in that circumstance, right? So the person who's making the persuasion check, you want them to roll low. But then it's like, no, do you just flip it? Do you just say the opposite? If someone's doing a persuasion check, if they roll below, if the insight is below, then uh, uh, then they do, I don't know. It's just- it's almost Yeah, like, so what, what's it, it's the response like what you need, then if the what insight is, is the- higher
1: than persuasion?
2: Well, I, I don't think that that is, well, if the insight's, See, I, I think that if you're trying to convince another PC of something, then the DM, in theory, should set a DC based on the difficulty of that concept to persuade a person to believe. Well, but, instance, but they right? are.
0: I mean, I think they, they are setting the DC by forcing you to do a persuasion check, which right. becomes the DC. But it's weird well, because it's does like- it
2: become the DC because if you roll low insight, right? Like if I if I'm super persuasive and I roll. Let's say I've got like expertise and persuasion. I I throw down a thirty, right? Shouldn't that make persuasion? it easier? Yeah, shouldn't that make it easier for somebody to believe me rather than harder? Oh, like, I why would that set saying. the DC for right. the insight?
0: Exactly. No, no. That's what I'm saying too. Is that now that I think about it, it's like well, yeah, it's the opposite. Like, if your PC is really trying to persuade you, however, we we're also taking this from from the angle of they're trying to persuade you of the truth what if they're trying to persuade you of something else like what if they're trying to persuade you to go do something dangerous so right? let me let me picture oh then does that require it would right, do does it doesn't require well well i guess like on that situation it then depends what, on whether you're hiding something or telling persuasion them the
1: truth. role i mean
0: right if does you're does telling them the compa- truth compa- it's persuasion
2: yeah. and if you're hiding the danger it's deception
1: i mean i guess i still don't know like if if I am telling the truth to my party, and I roll low in my persuasion, but they roll really high in their insight. What, what do I tell them?
2: I think that's, that's where I'm coming around to. So let me, let me pitch this, right? Uh, Anna, you have a hidden backstory or hidden knowledge that the rest of the party doesn't have. You, are, uh, you, you tell it, right? And the rest of the party, our characters don't know whether to believe that, and we as players don't know whether that's true. So we say insight check. The DM, based on how plausible, like if that's if you're like telling us where you went to school and it's like something we'd have, you know, that's plausible and believable, right, lower DC. If you're telling us some secret origin of the universe or or like ripping this whole thing <laughs> wide open, uh, higher DC. And but the DM doesn't say tell you which to check roll. to roll. Um, and the DM doesn't doesn't say are the setting to, a DC for that.
0: But the DM has to. I mean, here's the key. The, oh, DM, yeah, the, DM, has the DM has to know, right? So you so, have to so, message the DM. Say I'm rolling, I'm rolling deception, or I'm rolling persuasion, and then it's up to the DM to respond in kind based on what information they tell the group. If the DM is setting the DC though, why does that person roll? So that the players don't know whether it's- So
2: that, well, it's so that your persuasion plus their insight has to meet or exceed the DC for them to believe
0: you. Oh, interesting. So you can get there by being super
2: persuasive or by them being super insightful and seeing through your like incompetent attempt to explain.
0: Oh, That's, I think that's probably the best- That's probably the best explanation I've ever heard for like a persuasion check. But the thing, it's still key that you don't tell- the players because the whole reason Which they're trying to right yeah. the whole reason they're inciting you is because they're not sure if you're telling the truth or not right so so it makes it more interesting now here's the thing persuasion checks among among pcs like i i understand the value of deception in that way because obviously if your character has an interesting backstory that they're not ready to reveal yet like that or they just want to keep something from the party that's a really important narrative device persuasion like why not just allow your PCs to really believe what it is that your players are telling you? Um, uh, like, like the other player is telling you, why do they have to try to persuade you, their friend, their, or their fellow PC of that? The problem then becomes in that situation, then you're only gonna be rolling if you're making deception checks, which makes right. it less fun. The, so, the, the,
2: the insight check is triggered when a character is like,
0: questions really? That-
2: yeah. yeah. And and if you don't roll high enough on your persuasion, together with their insight, uh, that doubt persists, and it can fester and grow, and it can cause the character to act in a way that they wouldn't act if they believed something that were true.
1: I mean, once you tell them the result after their insight roll, they kind of know what you rolled, right? They know whether you rolled persuasion or deception, because if no. they roll really high on insight... I guess they don't know what you rolled. That's right. Right. Well, if they roll really high on insight, they, they, the they either was. pass That's the fair. deception
2: DC or they together with the persuasion pass the like persuade me DC, uh the cooperative DC. If that if they succeed, then they know like you don't believe them. You you're convinced that they're lying. Um or like you do believe them. That seems trustworthy. There's a gleam in their eye and and you know, like they get the success and that tells them. But if they fail, then they, you know, It's not a good moment. Either the deception succeeds or the party distrusts each other for just because they're bad interpersonally.
0: Or maybe, I mean, maybe, right. I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting, it's an interesting way to use these as like a dichotomy, like you're either persuading or deceiving, in reality, a persuasion check, like, because the theory is that you're persuading them to believe you, right, like, as opposed to lying to their face. But if you think about the way persuasion is used in d d it's like, come on, NPC, join us for this combat. It's like, well, yeah, that's a lot easier. It's like, you don't like, like maybe insight is like how much you trust the person. Maybe that's what the the NPC is rolling against. It's like, well, I don't really trust you or no, my free will says, I don't want to follow you. Or if you roll higher persuasion over insight, it's like, then they agree to do what you say because they, they trusted you innately. But that's not what you're doing when you pit persuasion and deception against each other. You're instead trying to just conceal a deception role. Um
2: I mean it's it's you're playing mafia or werewolf or whatever that game is. <laughs> like you're trying to figure out is this person lying to me? And the person Secret Hitler. It, Secret Hitler, yeah. And the person who's talking has two very different skill sets and if they're good at the one that they're trying to use that's great for them. And if they're bad at the one that they're trying to use it doesn't matter how you know, if someone's not convincing when they're telling you something that's true. doesn't matter how good they would be at lying to you about their role.
0: I mean, maybe we're overthinking this. Perhaps the the far easier solution is just that, like, you're right, Anna. If you're trying to persuade someone and you're secretly rolling persuasion, the roles don't matter. They're going to believe you regardless. It's the fact that the player rolling doesn't have the meta knowledge that it's deception or persuasion. That kind
1: of bums me out because then not knowing means you're still fostering distrust and, and like questioning about the other person's
0: words because. Well, but but it's all based on the role though. So like, so like, if regardless of what your role, if it's persuasion, like the, the response will be, well, you don't have any reason. Like they're not lying to you. You get, you sense they're not lying to you. I'm just not telling you whether that means they succeeded on the deception role or, like, the, or it was a persuasion roll the whole no, time. No, that, that's
1: exactly my point. Like in that scenario, right? Like where I'm rolling persuasion and they're rolling insight and I am trying to be honest and they're trying to read my credibility and you give them an answer based on their role that says you have no reason not to believe them. And they don't know whether they beat my score or not beat my score or whether I was rolling persuasion or I was rolling deception. Now you have fostered this like doubt where two people wow. are being totally honest oh, to each other. okay. One another, well, welcome to real but... life. I mean, I know, but... right?
2: Like, it's almost like these characters need to uh, adventure together and grow and change. And maybe one of them needs to, you know, maybe a dramatic gesture uh, or, or like a critical moment where somebody faces a crossroads and has to make a decision about whether, whether they're going to take a leap again. of faith and bridge the gap. <laughs> Uh,
0: I kind of like I, it. I think it's actually more realistic to do that because you never know. It's because you never lying. know.
1: Yeah, you're right. right. You never know, other than what you're saying yourself, whether that's the truth or not. And that you're you're absolutely right.
2: And if a if a character gets it wrong, like if they don't trust somebody who should have been who they should have trusted, like what a growth moment, you know? Yeah. Like we've all had that. Yeah. Like yeah, and I I think that this it's way better than the meta situation where the player goes it's strategic for me to have my character believe what they're being told. So I choose to let, make that happen every time.
0: Mm. Right. So I think, yeah, I mean, I think the way to handle it, and maybe this is what I'll do moving forward, is whether it's a, f- if it's a failure on the insight um, for deception or persuasion, you give the response, they're telling the truth. You have no reason to 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 doubt what or, they're or saying. Or you have,
2: you have the same uh, uncertainty that caused you to like, Think really hard about it in the first place. You think, well you, you but, think really hard about it and you just can't get there.
0: But is but I guess is that sufficient then when it comes to persuasion, right? Because the whole point we're making is that it shouldn't matter on persuasion as much necessarily, because then you get to this weird, like unless you're doing your compound teamwork role of like setting a DC and you both have to roll high enough to add up to it, unless you're doing something like that, then you're rolling against like in reality, the persuade like the person persuading.
2: I also I also want to point out succeed. as a side note with my model you can't have the uh you know the the player rolling either a perception or deception check you can't have them tell their number to the rest of the table ever absolutely because if they say a number out loud and it's lower than the inside check mm-hmm. and then you tell the table that they don't know suddenly they know right. that the player rolled a, a perception check because if it were a deception check beating it would automatically mean that yeah so they know they sorry i said perception you know that
0: they rolled a persuasion check right Right. yeah Yeah. oh yeah these these absolutely have to be done in secret when you're doing Mm. player versus player i don't know oh my god i know i mean
1: (sighs) this has really opened my eyes although i'll I'll admit like to how insight works this is a wonderful discussion because i never thought about it that way i was like one
0: beats the other and then you find out what happens i think right i mean i think honestly for me it really it really seems to be that the easiest way is that if they're doing persuasion just just give it to them. Why not? Like, why, why necessarily do you even need to worry about who beats who? It, because right. either way, you're either really good at persuading them or the person's really insightful and knows you're telling the truth. Not necessarily though. Okay.
1: Because what if one person rolls a one and the other person rolls a two, then you're neither good at persuading nor you're very <laughs> insightful. Then That's what, what do you do?
2: Just about to say, is that like, like then what do a, you do?
1: You can't like, ignore the numbers themselves. You can't just you can have off a of
2: critical, critical miscommunication and the conversation can go completely sideways. <laughs> (laughs) Yeah, And two people whose interests should align can end up just. But,
0: well, but, but you're still telling the truth, presumably, because if you weren't telling the truth, it wouldn't have been a persuasion role. So, I mean. See, this is why I like Louis' model, though,
1: because I think it adds this like layer of excitement, because even those two combined, if they don't reach the like minimum DC that you set for telling them, then you're in this like, I don't know. Go figure it out. Go you're at that situation in Secret yeah. Hitler
2: where you're like, I've got to cast a vote, but I honestly have no clue. No idea. Right.
0: <laughs> secret Hitler being a game and not just something Louis plays for fun. That's not a game. I mean,
2: N- no, yeah. he just doesn't
0: pretend to be Hitler.
2: <laughs> the version I play in my free time is not a game. I, uh, <laughs> but I, I shouldn't tell you anymore because I'll compromise <laughs> my secret identity. Oh my god!
0: <laughs> it's actually a very fun game for those who haven't played. Okay, I think. Maybe I'll adopt that. I don't know. And then you just set the DC based on like the magnitude of like, maybe it's a 15 or maybe it's a 10. If it's like a, a, a not, you know, a a not super significant point you're trying to persuade a 15. If like the situation is like, no, you're going to have to really try to hard to do this. And then a 20 and up, if it's like, why, you know, like maybe the people don't trust you or maybe yeah. The, and if you yeah, set it only- as
2: low as like 10, then it can be like something that you can take 10 over a period of time and you can just like talk it out and like convince them like, no, mm. I, I know the people that, you know, I know the restaurants nearby. I did go to that school.
1: Right. Right. <laughs> See, the only thing I would add to that is that it sounds like it's like extra work for a DM. So be careful. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, It's
2: something that you would pull out on important plot points yeah. and, and parts of a character's backstory that they think are important or, uh, maybe where the persuasion is a heavy lift and the characters meta don't actually know whether the thing that they're being told is true. Mm-hmm. Ca- campaigns that already have a little bit of a potential PVE el- or PVP element to them.
0: So Here's another question, sort of ancillarily. Re- ancillarily. Sure, why not? Related. Um, when it comes to ability checks, player versus player, on something like, let's just say it's deception, why is it that so let, and let's say you both get a 17 who who wins in that situation now because i always i always argued well the person doing the inside check is the one trying to like actively actively quote-unquote attack your defense and the defense being the lie so in in, a, in like a in like a combat situation if you meet their ac you beat it so in this situation the, the lie is being made as a defense mechanism and you're trying to pierce it with an insight check. That's sort of like how I rationalize it so that the insight check, if it meets it, beats it. But I don't know that that's right.
2: <laughs> I think I, that it is right. I think that tie goes to the attacker is what we're used to when mm-hmm. you're rolling against armor class. I think that that is a, uh, to, to generalize from that, I think typically in 5e, tie goes to the movements. Ty goes to the uh, whoever's trying to accomplish something uh, versus whoever's trying to prevent it. Isn't this
1: a situation in which you have the novel ability to throw that rule out? And if the insight role is lower than the deception, you can say you believe them. If it's higher than the deception, you say you don't believe them. And if it's meets, you just say, you don't know whether you believe them or not.
2: I mean, I (laughs) tend to, actually, that is, um may yeah, maybe my theory doesn't make any sense because it becomes hard to identify who the movement is.
0: Exactly. See, um, that's what I've struggled with. But for some reason, yeah, like just, is the lying person the movement? Because it of just <laughs> like it it just makes more like innate sense to me. Like, like, well, I guess because in that scenario, like even if you're lying, when it comes to doing the check, the initiator of the check role is that's what I mean. Yeah. So like yeah. when somebody's
2: grappling you, you have to meet the save DC to break. When you say save DC, um, meeting the save DC saves. So it's like right. the grappler is definitely doing something, but when you say that the you person being grappled bit, right. is trying to break free, they have to... So like I would picture Insight as being a save against Deception, right. and the Deception rule sets the save DC, and so if you meet it, you save, and you are not deceived.
0: Yeah, I mean, because I think... In general, you would never cold call. Like if you knew as a DM, your player was lying to other PCs, you would never cold call for a deception check. I mean, right. they, they do in live plays and stuff because to, to make it more interesting, but like I would never force my PC to make a deception check if no one at the table made an inside check. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So mm-hmm. like I would just say, I mean, yeah, if no one's going to call them on it, then whatever. And in that scenario, the person making the inside check is the person with the sword attacking and you're defending yourself with a lie.
2: I mean, that makes a lot of sense based on how it's, you know, deployed in EXU, which is what made me think of all this, um, where, you know, people will hear something and they go
0: insight check. Yeah.
2: Uh, And you're like, you know, choosing, it's like objection or like (laughs) pressing the witness.
0: Or, I mean, I guess, you know, in those scenarios, like maybe if no one calls for an insight check, you DM the uh, or I shouldn't say DM cause it's confusing in this context. You message the mm-hmm. person lying and say, Hey, roll me a deception check and see if it meets anyone's passive, passive insight.
1: insight. Yeah. yeah. Good call. Yeah.
0: And maybe that's how you handle that. That's and then the if it does, yeah. then you whisper or message to that person, by the way, something's fishy. You don't believe this one player. Um, but that's, again, that's a lot of work for a DM. That so is like, a lot of work to keep track yeah. of all that. And and so and like it I, can be
2: hard if you're playing in person and you, right. you're yes. not like, you know, you don't want people to have their phones within reach.
0: Right. Um, sure. I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah. It's, boy, like it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's not a perfect system. And I really don't know that the creators even really intended for like people to be making insight checks against each other necessarily, like PCs, but like, I mean- yeah, I think you just come up with a system that works. And I really like this idea of like the person making the inside check being the quote unquote attacker in this scenario. So um,
2: when you have perception versus sleight of hand. Same thing, right? I mean, but well, but is it the person making the sleight of hand is trying like if. I they would were going have it as, to make
1: a roll no matter what, right?
2: Yeah, right. I would picture so... it as the perception uh, being against or it, like you're trying to spot them as they try to do the th- You're still so like the actively- slide of hand has to beat the passive perception mm. I don't know yeah it's it's trickier for me there because mm. um if you I would know say- that they're doing it yeah and what's the point um you know like to to see them doing something it's to catch them if the perception person succeeds, they figure out that somebody is attempting sleight of hand on them or they like see it. Right. I mean, I think they can't be the movement. They can't be the person who's like, I'm going to try to perceive that.
0: I think with respect to both of these scenarios, it's like, it's like whether it's passive, a passive skill or not, you just say, look, here's the number. It's a 17. This person is going to perceive anything that is a 17 or lower. It's not like throw out the concept of of like, it's like armor class and making an attack. It's just in the, in this world of numbers, 17, it, you have to get higher than that in order to, to overcome that person's passive perception. Mm. I, I wouldn't give someone if for sleight of hand, if they rolled the same as passive perception to me, that says you perceive everything in the world yeah, of a 17. You were perceived. Yeah. You were, then you were mm. perceived and same thing with like deception. Like, yeah, this person's insight is they can tell the truth to anyone who rolls a 17 17 or lower. So you, you need to roll an 18 to deceive them. Cause you don't uh, have passive deception, right? Yeah. I, I think that definitely the worst possible
2: outcome is to have a cool campaign moment devolve <laughs> into squabbling about the <laughs> rules, but that's the value of having these conversations ahead of time. So mm-hmm. that as a DM, you can figure out like, what's the framework for this so that you can just like, wow. be like I know how this works.
0: Right. And the beauty of it is that if you're making, if you're forcing these roles to be in secret, you can just be like, all right. Uh I'm I'm in the hot seat and I get to make this shit up on the on and no one's the wiser. Yeah, no one's like, stop you. And you're just like <gasps> like you gasp and you're like, oh, they both were the same thing. You definitely tell they're lying. And then it's like <laughs> and then like if that's a good moment, then hey, go for it. So the the end the end of the day, don't trust me is what I'm is what yeah, I'm mm-hmm. getting. Cool, on. cool, cool. Great lesson. Kind of Take feels away. like a
2: Futurama Nixon where it's like, <laughs> I don't care what you decide, just decide. <laughs>
0: Okay. Well, this discussion was rigorous, mm-hmm. and um, I think that I, I don't. I don't think we need to, to yeah, delve into any more. I think we're good. That was a
1: great topic, a great discussion. Thank you, Louis, so much for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having
0: me. This has been a blast. Louis, awesome. do you do you have any? Do you want to plug yourself at all? Oh no, I, I
2: prefer if people don't look for me or find me. Um, <laughs> okay, the, <good>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> although I, I I will say that the other chat topic that I have suggested was. Uh, characters with extremely low ability scores, uh, mm. because I've just started playing a barbarian with an intelligence score of six.
0: Uh,
2: and we're gonna have is, to have you
0: back on. To yeah, discuss. I was I'm gonna excited. say, I was like, we'll I think it's probably for the best that we that
2: didn't get there because <laughs> I've just started playing him and I'm sure I'm gonna have a lot of role playing <laughs> challenges and, and thoughts that are gonna come out. Uh, he has definitely already fallen asleep at a strategic <laughs> planning session, uh, and the DM was like, is it just that you're bored as a player? I'm like, no. He can't read the map. Yeah. So he's
0: like, look <laughs> at these colors. Mm. Yeah,
2: he has nothing to contribute. So.
0: Well, Louis. Well, this
1: blue area is obviously land.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, he's very. Yeah,
1: It is. best arrestable. moments, he's
0: Buster Bluth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Louie, thank All you right. for joining us.
1: Yes, thank yeah, you, thank for you. Me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, gang, we'll see you next time.
0: Bye. Bye.
1: My claws are a little dull. Does anyone have a scratching post?
0: My claws are a little <laughs> dull.
1: <laughs> Why did I come up with that? Because the cats in my house are currently destroying all my furniture. <gasps>
0: oh no. Oh no. I won't I won't put that at the end of the episode.
1: <laughs> you can. He knows. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. I will. <laughs>